0: Welcome back to another episode of the Younger Days podcast, where we create space for honest and vulnerable conversations.
1: We're your hosts, Fuka and Milena, and we're excited to have you on this journey. If you like having deep talks with friends, you're in the right place.
0: Welcome to our podcast. It's been in the works for a while. Yes,
1: we've been thinking about this for a while, Uh, but we should probably introduce ourselves. I'm Milena. I'm Puka, and we've been friends for a while and eight years. Yes. Wow. You, (laughs) I (laughs) did not have that number on the top of my head, but eight years guys.
0: Eight years. Going strong. I love that. Yeah.
1: um, I think this will be a great way to talk about all the big, sometimes heavy things that we like to talk about. Um, I feel like, especially now that I've, Well, we've both graduated college, maybe not so much you, but like with me, I was in all the humanities classes, went to a small liberal arts school. We got to have these kind of deep and like intellectually stimulating conversations and like be able to talk about big topics. Mm -hmm. But I feel like nowadays it's hard to have those conversations. People are busy. People are living their own lives. But I think this is a good way to make time for things that are important.
0: Exactly, I uh, just graduated from Boston College and I studied biology. So unlike Mel- Melina, I didn't have as many like humanity courses where we talked about, you know, uh, mental health or topics that are, you know, heavy and you have to be vulnerable. And yeah. so I would be in clubs that where we did that, but on our own t- on our own time, obviously. Um, But I thought that this podcast would be great to just, like, have a deep conversation and be vulnerable, and also just learn to just be yourself.
1: Yeah, so if you like deep convos with friends... (laughs) And they're unfiltered, too. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Then you are in the right place. So I feel like, I mean, maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't, but this is our first episode, but it's also probably... last episode of the year because it's almost 2023 so it's
0: crazy yeah
1: i know this year has been complex
0: very emotional (laughs) roller coaster for me yes to say the least
1: yeah so i think it'd be it'd be cool to kind of like unpack and talk about things that we've learned from this past year things we want to take with us to 2023
0: i think that we've Yeah, this year has been such a large learning curve, especially leaving college and no longer living with your closest friends and, yeah, learning how to navigate the world for sure.
1: I mean, gosh, literally navigating the world because I started this year in a different country. I was in Spain. I mean, you went to Japan during the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have had to learn how to live in a different country and make new friends
0: and, really step out of our comfort zones. yes
1: and take yes. risks yeah sure. I mean I think we can talk about like some lessons that we've taken from this past year I think speaking of like you know having to meet people in new places I went to Spain not knowing anyone it was it was a program through my school but um I had no friends going into it and I had to make friends there. And I think that one thing I learned um, and something that I think I I took from like our friendship, you mm-hmm. and I have been friends for eight years. I mean, we're part of like a big friend group from high school. Mm-hmm. I think maybe having like that base of having close friends who have really got your backs because it's been so long mm-hmm like you take you take that into consideration when you're making new friends That's true you kind of have like high standards in a sense when it comes to meeting new people so that's like one thing that i've definitely learned through this past year is to listen to your intuition when it comes to meeting new people um go towards people who you're not only drawn towards but also who's good for you
0: that's true and how do you know how to do that? Like, how did you learn how to trust your gut and oh, man. your intuition? It's so, it's hard. It's so hard, especially with people with anxiety. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I have anxiety. Just
0: too. knowing whether it's your gut talking to you or it's just your anxiety, you know? Yeah.
1: No, I, I think we can probably do a whole nother episode, episode on that. Yeah. on that. Like <laughs> intuition versus anxiety. Like when is it that you're getting this bad feeling because like you need to get out of the situation because it's, unsafe for you Mm -hmm. versus your anxiety just kind of giving you these old false narratives about the world because it's trying to protect you I mean that's that's one thing too that I've had to come with terms with come to terms with not just this past year but I think the past couple of years like having anxiety isn't necessarily a bad thing it's a survival tactic it is, yeah. it's your body trying to protect you and tell it you like is. hey you need to get out of the situation because mm-hmm. it's not good
0: exactly but sometimes anxiety can be harmful yeah. as well and i've had to learn a lot of ways to cope with my anxiety yeah. and even now i think having anxiety really it just makes me want to hide and yeah <laughs> not talk to anyone and isolate myself and that's yeah. not always a healthy thing so we can definitely talk more about you know anxiety and mental health in another yeah episode. for sure
1: I think especially because we both have anxiety and I think we might maybe maybe the anxiety manifests in different ways for us it does, um, yeah. we can definitely talk about that in another episode yes. but I think like one thing that we've talked about a lot this past year is attachment styles. Oh
0: hundred percent. That is yes. a
1: big lesson, a big yes, theme. Yes. Did
0: you know about attachment theory before Yeah.
1: Yeah. This year? I did. You know, I found out about it in back in 2019. I mean only a couple of years ago, but I mean, I think it's great to see how far we've come in terms of like people being aware of attachment theory to begin mm-hmm. with. Like, I don't know what your algorithm looks like, but mine, mm-hmm. I'm getting more and more people talking about attachment theory, which I think is great because two years back or a couple years back, if someone talked about that on social media, people would have no idea what they're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. But my even now, like my college friends and I will talk about yeah. our attachment issues and how that has come about in our relationship with our parents, our yeah. friendships, and even most importantly, our relationships For with sure. our partners.
1: When did you first learn about attachment theory?
0: I took a class in psychology, okay. um, I think a year ago, and I didn't really fully understand mm. attachment it's theory. It's hard to wrap your head around. It's really hard. It's hard to even explain because- Yeah,
1: I think like it, it might even help us Like, maybe that's why we're so interested in it to begin with. Like, it helps us understand it because we have our own experiences experiences, with (laughs) disorganized attachment We are
0: the opposite attachment styles. Yeah. And so that we've had different ways of navigating that and having conversations about how we go about, you know, our attachment issues in our relationships and things like that. So For sure. So, like...
1: What give us some facts? I know that you've d- done some digging, some done some digging. research. I mean, I'm a little more intuitive with this, so like I have, <laughs> I have my my personal experiences. <laughs> but I know that you definitely wanted the facts. So, what is attachment theory to begin with?
0: So, attachment theory is something that a child psychiatrist named John Bowlby, and he um, basically describes it as four different attachment styles, and so there's secure. There's anxious attachment style, dismissive avoidant attachment style, and fearful avoidant attachment styles. So there's four different ones. And this is kind of the way that you either attach or detach to certain people. Um, for example, with secure attachment styles, uh, these are people that have a very loving relationship with their significant others, and they learn to trust very well. It's um, like the ideal. We're all right? aiming for that, but
1: <laughs> some of us. It's
0: where you want to be. I struggling. feel like that's
1: like, even though it's included in all four of the the attachment styles. Mm -hmm. Secure is definitely where you want to be. And people who are fortunate enough to (laughs) to naturally have a secure attachment style. Like that's great for them. People who have disorganized attachment styles as both of us do, like we can learn from people who are naturally secure to begin with. Exactly.
0: So I have anxious attachment style, which is basically like an insecure attachment and um, the deep fear of abandonment. So people with this attachment style um, are very like anxious in their relationships and constantly need validation from their partners. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this stems from childhood where children who receive like very inconsistent care from their parents or like, negligent parent- parenting will have like, very high anxiety and want to be clingy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly crazy to think about how your relationship with your parents, it all stems back to childhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, the relationship between the parent and the child affects that child when they grow up, right. and it affects how they view the world and how they navigate relationships with other people, because exactly. they learn from that first interpersonal relationship mm-hmm. with their parents.
0: Exactly. So I think a lot of people who've had, like, who've gone through abuse abuse during their childhood they develop abuse
1: neglect uh trauma i know that like i've learned so much about trauma with like going to therapy and looking into it myself trauma can be honestly it can't be defined really like it's subjective it depends Mm -hmm. on the experiencer uh, of that trauma if something was traumatic to you in childhood then that is trauma and it really affects you growing up and it really does. in your relationships with other people
0: and I find that for me letting go is so hard especially when I know someone is bad for me yeah. whether that's a friend or a relationship I always feel the need to fix it and mm-hmm. and fight for it yeah because I was always looking for validation and reassurance for my parents and so i i constantly want that from my relationships and honestly people aren't really meant to be there just for your validation and reassurance yeah. you know that's not something that you should be requiring mm-hmm. it's something that is a good thing in a relationship but you you shouldn't feel like the need for it like you, yeah. you know
1: so anxious attachment style could be defined as like feeling the need to to hold on to people and not let go
0: even though even if you know they are so bad for you you can make like a list of pros and cons Mm. and see all the cons and you've done that and i have multiple times (laughs) i made a bunch of lists like i know in my head yeah how bad someone is for me but i will continue to want to fix things because I have such a hard time letting go. And that's what I had to learn this year in a very difficult way, yeah. is how to let go of someone despite having love for them and yeah. and like wanting them in my life. Yeah. Sometimes people aren't meant to be in your life.
1: And so how is it, I mean, we don't have to go too deep if you don't want to, but like, how is it, do you think, that that anxious attachment style formed for you? like what were the key factors that made you have this type of disorganized attachment style to begin with
0: Yeah so I think in when I was little I always felt the need to um make my parents proud mm-hmm. and it was never enough for them mm-hmm. and I I felt the need to overcompensate and yeah. make them love me by getting good grades or getting awards at school and I always felt disappointed whenever they wouldn't give me that love and validation so I constantly like would do things just to receive that and uh, that really that really set the pattern into play for me and and like to Give me that validation. Because it
1: stems, like, your yeah. kind of brain remembers those feelings from when you mm-hmm. were in childhood. And it's, like, yes. almost like you're, you're recreating dynamics that you exactly. had with your
0: parents. Exactly. And so I would fight even harder. Yeah. And then when somebody has dismissive like avoidant style they tend to pull away Mm -hmm. and so being in a relationship with somebody who has dismissive avoidant style yeah it's like constant pulling and pushing right like you're it becomes toxic very fast because you're trying to cling on so hard and they're trying to push you away
1: yeah so what is dismissive avoidant so people know
0: so it's a different form of an insecure attachment Mm -hmm. style so you are basically in fear of being like intimate and close with somebody because you're afraid that they're going to um, hurt you Mm -hmm. so it's like a defense mechanism Um, people tend to maintain some distance they um, would rather create this distance than being open with their emotions Um, and they're very like independent and rely only on themselves Mm -hmm. they don't want to depend on another person so they won't let a person get close to them independent to a fault Independent to a fault, yes. So you have this attachment style, right?
1: What I have, that? I have fearful avoidant. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you ask that because I think I might have started off with dismissive avoidant, mm-hmm. which pff, I don't know if you can switch between types. I think you might be able to. I did it, so maybe I'm the first case study. <laughs> but I think that I had dismissive avoidant attachment style in high school. Um, I think especially like being independent to a fault, Mm. that is just (laughs) a mechanism to protect yourself. You know, if you convince yourself that you don't need anyone, then you won't even have the desire to to pursue anything with anyone because you're just, you know the strongest person ever who you know you don't need to be close to people because when you get close to people they disappoint you Mm -hmm. that's that's a lesson you can only rely on yourself what that attachment style is like was my experience Mm -hmm. i think in high school just being emotionally shut down that's where the dismissive part comes from right like dismissive of even, or just not even acknowledging that you have emotions to begin with, which is so weird. But like, I remember a certain point in high school, like making the conscious decision of just not having emotions. Of course, that's not possible because we're humans, (laughs) but like, (laughs) we're not robots, (laughs) right? But high school me, you know, and I was like, this was young high school me. So like Mm -hmm. around 14, 15. Um, not coincidence that this was around the time that my parents got divorced. Mm. So, you know, your dynamics with your parents and viewing your parents' relationships, it most definitely impacts how you view relationships for yourself. So, yeah, I think, I think I definitely might've fallen into the dismissive avoidant category when I was in high school. I think going into college, um, opening up more um growing more into myself i think i might have slid into the fearful what is the difference between those two you know you know dismissive avoidant can be seen that it's like fearful avoidant which is my style that i have now it i think it overlaps with dismissive avoidant and anxious Mm, attachment yes yeah um I think that it's dis- like both. Yeah, it's both in a, in a weird way. You know, funnily yes. enough, fearful avoidant attachment style. Some people have dubbed it as the worst attachment <laughs> style. So, so Congrats. lucky. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what did you find online? Like, what was the official definition? Yes. It's, it's so hard, honestly. It is hard. Um,
0: they said, it says that it's a combination of both anxious and avoidant. There so that's go. what you said. And that people with this attachment style desperately crave affection but want to avoid it at all costs so it seems counterintuitive right yeah so they're reluctant to develop a close romantic relationship yet at the same time they feel a desire to be need to feel loved by others
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) that's you that's That's you in a paragraph (laughs) that's me it's not fun
1: i mean like there's a reason why like I, i think that you know Obviously, it sucks having any of the disorganized attachment styles, but like, there's a reason why people call this like kind of the worst ones, because like, it's just a confusing experience. Mm. I would love to be in a relationship, ideally, right, like theoretically, Mm -hmm. but once I get close to that, or once I get close to being in a relationship with someone, Mm -hmm. I get fearful, and avoidant. (laughs) avoidant. Um, (laughs) It's in the
0: name itself. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think that I, back when I even like learned about what fearful avoidant attachment style was, it was around 2019, um, early college, I was interested in this guy. And um, after thinking about it for a while, you know, being cautious about it, and getting to know him, I decided to tell him that I liked him because, you know, that's what you do. If you have feelings for someone, <laughs> right, you should probably tell she, them.
0: She has a lot more confidence than me. <laughs> yeah, it that's was hard. I know, you know,
1: I, I told him, you know, which isn't the normal <laughs> dynamic. I love it, though. <laughs> I wanted to be a boss bitch, you know, like, you I was like, bitch. you know what, no more waiting around. Like, I'll just, mm-hmm. I, if I feel something, I, I always feel like I need to say it, for better, for worse. Yeah,
0: so she's very, she can be confrontational. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. With a little, you know what, I think everyone needs that, though. If everyone had that mindset, there would be no miscommunication.
1: Um, I know.
0: It, life wouldn't be so difficult, but.
1: That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. I, I told him that I was interested in him kind of an uncomfortable uh, conversation, mm-hmm. uncomfortable for me. I was super nervous, but Hey, I did it. And, you know, it was great at the time that he said that he liked to be back. I was like, Oh, this is great. So yeah. he asked me out and I'm like, yes, for sure. Like, let's do this. Yeah. And so that was that after the conversation and I think, oh gosh, I don't even know how much time had passed since that conversation. But within the next couple of days, I was completely rethinking that whole thing. I thought mm. that I made a big mistake. I was like, oh, no, what have I started? I opened up a can of worms like I suddenly got super fearful. I see. And like I it's taken me, honestly, years to like even just unpack that whole situation. Like after a couple of days, I let him know that i didn't want to pursue anything about it luckily enough you know he was a great guy like he was totally understanding about it and you know that was fine but on my end i was so guilty for mm. a long time and i had no idea what these feelings were like i had never heard of someone pursuing someone and then just freaking out and so like, it makes you
0: feel crazy kind i of. felt fucking crazy, crazy like like, a be- like you feel like you're 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 not intentionally trying to hurt them. but Yes,
1: I did. I I, I felt like a bad person for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And like, I think one super uncomfortable part of fearful avoidant, which I haven't honestly haven't seen a lot of people talk about this. It's
0: actually I read that it's very rare to have it. Like, it's not a lot of people, people usually either have anxious attachment or like dismissive that
1: makes sense that makes sense why I couldn't find that much online to begin (laughs) with so that was great trying to navigate something that barely anyone talked about but something that I still don't see that much now about fearful avoid attachment style it's even like uncomfortable for me to talk about but like when you get to a certain point and maybe it's just me we'll see but like when you get to a certain point of getting like close to or whatever, I mean, I feel like different people define like how close too close is Mm -hmm. when you're like approaching a relationship or something. But for me, when I felt like it was too close, when we both like said, like admitted that we liked each other, I, after a little bit, like soon after, I felt like-
0: Pulling back.
1: Not, definitely pulling back, but like almost repulsed by the idea Mm. and like, it scared me that I felt that way. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is not fucking normal. Like, why can't I just like, (laughs) like someone, they like me back. Like, this is great, you know? But I think like, that's such a distinct feeling and it didn't last that long, but like that was, it was a driving factor as to why I pulled away to begin with. I think it just comes with, I think it might just be wrapped up in like the, like feelings of shame and like guilt, like just bad feelings that you have and just wanting to just, okay, avoid, I'm getting
0: away from this. Uh, Yes. And so I'm the opposite. I run towards and I run after. Yeah. And I run away. Right. So we're like, (laughs) you're running and I'm chasing like a a tag or something, you know? And so, yeah. How do you think you navigated, you know, coping with this? I mean,
1: I think just the first thing is knowing what attachment style you have going through experiences like I did, even though it was uncomfortable and at times it's still uncomfortable for me to look back on, but like having lived experiences that prove to you what your attachment style is, Mm -hmm. is definitely helpful. I mean, like in your, you might have like this idea of how you'll act in a relationship, but like, unless you're put in that situation, you don't know for sure. At least that was the case for me. And so, yeah, I think just like the number one thing is, Looking into attachment theory to begin with, and knowing your attachment style, so then you can try to work on right. fixing it because you can't fix it.
0: There's some quizzes online that yeah. I saw that um, you can answer some questions and it'll tell you what attachment style you may have. Yeah, um, I I, it'd be interesting though to see a fearful avoidant um, attachment style because it's a combination of both, right? So, yeah. I wonder if how accurate that would be, but. It'd be good to, like, read up on this and know what um, attachment style you are so that you can really work on it, especially when you're in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and picking up the signs and picking up when you tend to react to somebody or when you're clinging on to someone. For me. Yeah.
1: Um, knowing, like, your triggers, too. Knowing
0: your triggers, Yeah. What's
1: triggering that behavior. Because yeah. And I think, too, like, this isn't just as we talked about before this isn't just about like you in a relationship like this stems back to you in childhood Childhood. and your relationship with your parents so like if you have disorganized attachment style like i feel like that's the symptom but the root cause of that is Mm -hmm. childhood trauma
0: (laughs) exactly and i felt like i had to really work through 18 years of that and so now after getting out of such a like abusive environment yeah I think it's hard to go back 8 through 18 years and trying to undo these patterns and undo all these reactions that I have yeah. and they're immediate for me.
1: Like ingrained. And beliefs. they're
0: ingrained in me. Yeah. And so sometimes I don't even have to think it through, I'll just act. Mm-hmm. Because that's just like how it's I used like to It's like a major reaction. Yes, yeah, so it's like innate for me because I grew up yeah. with like going through that and reacting to that and we should talk about like narcissism and recognizing that in a different episode but for sure for me like that I have a hard time recognizing narcissism or like when people are bad for me because I I feel like I have to fix myself Mm. you know and like it's like oh it's me it's me it's me what do I have to do what do I have to fix so that you would love me Mm. because throughout childhood I thought that that's what love was
1: interesting so like you have like this belief I think for me like I that and what comes with fearful avoidant attachment is the belief that like I am not (laughs) I'm not like worthy of love like it's it's almost like impossible that someone could Mm -hmm. genuinely love me Mm -hmm. but for you it seems like you have like an ingrained belief that that love is possible, but you have to work, work for it, yeah, you have to
0: earn it, wow. you have to make them like love you, wow, and so like you're constantly fighting for this validation and reassurance, mm-hmm. and without it, you it affects your self worth like, yeah. I'm not good enough, and you can write a million reasons why you're good enough, and you mm-hmm. can you can stare at that paper all you want, but at the end of the day, when it's so ingrained in you you yeah. have to like really go through the foundations and the way that you grew up and it's it's just it's hard and going to therapy isn't a fun time for me
1: you know it's not fun
0: <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's, like fun. necessary but like, yeah
1: going through it i mean i was in therapy like early college for a couple of years and like i knew that it was good for me and that's why i kept going
0: mm-hmm. it
1: didn't necessarily feel good in the moment
0: exactly it it's doesn't.
1: confusing to like bring mm-hmm. up these old emotions, old emotions. from childhood
0: and it's easy just to say i don't want to think about it i want to move on with my life yeah but then you get into relationships mm-hmm. or you have friendships where these the same problems arise where you're fighting for their approval you're fighting for their validation and you're constantly like why am i not good enough why am i feeling the yeah. way i felt my whole life yeah what is wrong with me mm-hmm. right
1: yeah exactly and like if you don't know the reason you 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 don't know how to fix it you, so don't. you don't even know what to
0: call it Exactly. And for years, I've had this issue. And so when I found out about attachment theory, it helped me so much just like to put a name to it yeah, and to also sure. read about other people who have, yes who have had these similar experiences.
1: Yeah, which I mean, like, I don't think that I knew for a little bit like, soon after finding out about it. I didn't really know that it was something that you could fix. I think it's Mm -hmm. just like, you know, being used to like thinking that you're crazy and like, you're going to have to live like this forever, but the fact that you can correct your attachment style and work on yourself so that you can get closer and closer to secure attachment style. Like that's great. Like, and I think you're lucky in a sense because sometimes with anxiety, sometimes you have to live with that forever. Can flare up. Um, you can have periods where it doesn't seem to be that evident. But with attachment style, you can heal it, which I think is great news. Yeah. Even better to know about your attachment style um, because there's a there's a point of looking into it because it could be fixed.
0: It's true. And so I guess leading into that, we were talking about how in relationships and especially with me and my you know anxious attachment style i notice that i tend to look past people's flaws especially if i'm talking to a guy that i like and he starts pulling away i tend to latch onto the good parts of him and mm. I'll, I'll convince myself that he likes me because of he he does certain things for me and i tend to overlook all the the bad things in a relationship because I want it to work out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a big, something that we've talked about is like the difference between wanting to do something or having the urge to do something mm-hmm. versus knowing that it's not good for you and deciding not to do it. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of something that I've heard of. It's, it's called breadcrumbing. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, it's when someone gives you little bits of attention sporadically over a period of time. And they do this to keep you interested in them while really they're kind of putting in minimal effort. It's kind of like they're stringing you along mm-hmm. in a sense where they want to make sure that they can keep your attention on them so that you're an option and I think that um I've heard that this can be done either consciously or subconsciously but this is something that I've struggled with um in a dynamic with another person where I realized when I i mean I didn't even realize until I heard this term explained to me that 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 was what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that that's happened to you too oh
0: yes i didn't even know about that term yeah. but it it does sound like you are like glorifying them like you're glorifying mm. this image of them because you love them or you have feelings for them even even friend-wise like you you put them on a pedestal right mm. and everything that every good that they do for you you tend to overlook the bad things and. Yeah. The good things outweigh the bad things, and yeah. that just leads to really bad cycle, especially with people who have anxious attachment, because in your head, you want things to work out, and you're you want to fix things, and you convince yourself that that's what love is, and that he loves you because he's, bre- leaving breadcrumbs, right? Yeah. And you're just you're just following him, and you're you you want it to work, yeah. So it can, it can be quite toxic.
1: Yeah, and I think. Once I realized that that was happening to me, it made it kind of forced me to set better boundaries because I, mm. again, like I had a name to what was happening. And so I almost like had better control over the outcome. I, I knew what to call it and I knew mm. how to try to resolve it. So another lesson that came with that is setting boundaries.
0: Is, I feel like you've always been so good with setting boundaries and that may that may come with you know just knowing what you want and setting your expectations and i think for me i've noticed that i like people pleasing and Mm. i want people's validations which goes back to my attachment style but i really have a hard time like setting boundaries with people and saying no to people because I fear that saying no would lead to them leaving me or Mm, and you know (laughs) I like to attach and I like to please and so I notice sometimes I don't know I I feel crazy for even like saying this but like sometimes I would like change the way that I act towards certain people like Mm. I morph myself to like fit exactly like with their personality or and like match their energy so that yeah. they would like me better or
1: what you think they would prefer right exactly you. Like, like if, you know I've mm-hmm. heard that that is people-pleasing first of exactly. all to like change yourself to try to adapt to other people mm-hmm. but also I've heard it explained from a different perspective which I found really interesting um someone said that people-pleasing is really a form of trying to control people because you mm-hmm. think that mm-hmm. It's, it's, it kind of is like for better or for worse, manipulative, right? Like trying to control, predict people's Mm -hmm. actions and behaviors by what you do. Yeah. And I think, like, if anything, like, hopefully that helps make uh, people want to heal that people pleasing tendency Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's not only hurting you, like, it could possibly be affecting
0: others. Well, you're also not being. Authentic. Yeah. You're not being yeah, yourself. You're course. not. You're you're putting on a, a mask for people yeah. to like you. Yeah, and which is exhausting. Day, I'm it's sure. exhausting. And you come home and you're like, I just feel like I I'm not me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this isn't me. But you're like, but having this like little voice in your head telling you like you want You want to have all these friends, right? Like you want to yeah. be loved. This is how it works. It's just like definitely a fall that I've had to work on. And, yeah. I mean, healing is like just not an easy process. It's not linear. It's not going to happen. So It's not going to happen like immediately. Right. It takes, it takes a really long time. Um, Especially if this came about in your childhood, like Mm -hmm. that, that takes years to fix, but recognizing is the first step.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like. I've heard that trauma can be physically stored in your body. I think that's one thing that I'd like to, like, that's the next step that I'd I'd like to work on, how to physically get, like, move that stuck energy out of your body. I mean, your body can store memories, can store trauma as well. It can store bad things, so... I don't know much about it, but I mean, definitely like healing isn't linear. And I think that's one big takeaway, I think, despite us being so... Or trying to be self-aware, right? Right, And like being aware of some of our issues. It's not easy, one. I mean, not to glorify going to therapy. It sucks and it's hard.
0: But it's uncomfortable. And also when you have an urge for something such as for me when i have the urge to go back to somebody that's not healthy for me i learn that it's uncomfortable but you don't have to always act on it like you don't you don't have to always do what you feel right and you can sit there with that feeling and you know it's it's a good thing to really feel that emotion instead of just suppressing it because I've noticed with myself that when you bottle up an emotion, it comes back. Oh my gosh. And like exponentially too.
1: I definitely learned that too. Mm -hmm. Bottling up is not a good idea because once it does come to the surface, it comes back like double
0: the force. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Not a good idea. And so sitting, sitting with the emotion is okay and it's not fun. And it might feel terrible at the time, but... For me it felt worse going back and having to relearn all the lessons that I thought I learned and then realizing that sometimes you can't change people.
1: Yeah. You for can't sure. change people? Yeah. I mean, when you're on the healing journey, like it's you have to focus on you, not on other people. It's hard enough healing yourself. You can't heal other,
0: other people. people. It's not your responsibility. Yeah. Either. And it has to be their choice because No one can change without like an inner, like their inner desire to change.
1: For sure. I think you have to make the decision to want to change. And unless you've made that decision for yourself, no one else and nothing else can make you decide that. But yeah, I mean, that was a lot, I know. But just one of the, I think, many topics that we're going to talk about, like attachment style, healing, big theme, Right. being able to name these things so they're not so scary and you're not as likely to push them down or push them away because you have no idea what is happening. If you have the name for it, you can look into it and hopefully learn how to heal it.
0: Exactly. That's great advice. And I don't think that you and I are completely healed. We're still on that journey. We're yeah. still discovering things about ourselves. And it's great to have these conversations because you learn something every day and you learn more about yourself as life goes on. So you're not going to have all the answers right now and that's okay, right? Like it's it's a journey and it's probably going to take years to heal. But really coming to terms with that now is is a great first step. For sure. And for next steps...
1: I mean, 2023 is just around the corner. corner. This may already be out during 2023, but stepping into this new year. What are your goals? Yeah, let's talk about goals. goals? Yeah. I mean, I think one of my goals is just to step into my power more. I am such an advocate of women being outspoken and speaking their minds and having strong opinions because that is me. You're a boss. (laughs)
0: Well, this girl is a boss bitch, I would say. You know, I,
1: I've just always, I honestly have always just naturally been more outspoken and sometimes like that, that gets me into trouble, but it's me <laughs> and I'm not going to suppress it. Exactly. But I think earlier in my healing journey, I think especially like college, maybe even during high school, like I felt the need to step back. I felt the need to just like rest and heal um in tarot i'm interested in tarot and i think we're definitely going to talk about it in more episodes but i practice tarot a little bit and in tarot uh they call it the hermit mode going into hermit mode where you need to pull back and kind of look inwards to be able to heal and so i think i i had to have a calm period in my life where i could just calm down my body calm down the anxiety that i was working on healing and so i think i spent a couple of years doing that and i don't want to get stuck in that i'm ready to step back up mm-hmm. and own my power and embrace it and just be a loud, powerful woman who speaks her mind. And, Harriet, hopefully,
0: I and exactly. hopefully, yeah,
1: make some positive change.
0: And she's been getting more into content creating, which she's yes. been talking about forever. And I've been encouraging her to do it because you have like that personality. We both
1: have gotten into
0: yeah, this, Yeah, this year we've stepped out of our comfort zones. But I think like opposite from you, for me, I really need to learn how to be happy like on my own Mm. and to take that time to just rest and recover and heal because I am so I feel like the pressure to constantly be productive Mm. and that like laying down and watching a movie or taking a night off is like it just I always felt like it was lazy of Mm. me right or I wasn't being productive yeah but and I think that's because society like kind of pressures us to constantly be productive and to be making money or to be studying and yes i
1: I mean i think it's just like a product of capitalism like if you're not (laughs) being a productive member of society you're not contributing to (laughs) to capitalism to keep the system afloat Mm -hmm. but i mean like rest is so important i think I, I i see people talking about it more on social media which is great but i think this idea of needing to constantly be productive i think has to do with capitalism this like toxic hustle culture mm-hmm. where like it doesn't matter if you have a full-time job if you have a full-time job have a side hustle um if you're watching a movie or sleeping you don't need to sleep uh go exactly. start a business or you could be making money instead of sleeping exactly. like I mean, like, obviously it's it's good to be ambitious, but without rest, that ambition is not sustainable.
0: And you I, burn out really yeah, quickly, too. Exactly. Yeah,
1: we don't talk about that enough. I actually, I saw something on social media where studies had found that rest is important because it's it helps restore us. I think yeah. that, like, the video said that, like, even something as simple as just laying down or even going in and out of sleep, like literally just doing nothing. It's close to uh, the state that our brains get to when we're meditating. And that is healing. It's Mm -hmm. restoring for our brain. So rest is important. It's crucial. It's not lazy. It's what we need to do to be able to keep doing the great things that we want to do.
0: And I feel like in college. A lot of students pull all nighters because they yeah. feel that this is what they need to do in order to get a good grade, or staying up later is going to help me, you know, uh, do better on my test. It's but like your it's counterintuitive, intuitive yeah. because your brain needs the rest to store, restore your memory, mm-hmm. and to you know, and so when you get good rest, you wake up and you remember things, and you are like, wait, I didn't. I think I would remember that, but yeah. you need sleep to do well, and without good sleep, that could lead to so many detrimental health effects, like oh, yeah. chronic illnesses and high stress levels. So I'm going towards healthcare, yeah. the healthcare industry, and there's so many people that are burnt out right now mm-hmm. because everyone is just constantly pushing themselves, and like rest isn't really like highlighted. Even yeah. and we need rest in order to heal. Not just physically, but like emotionally, mentally. Twenty twenty three, get more rest. That's a good that's a good motto. Good goal. Yeah. And it's not lazy to get rest. It's no. not lazy to take a night off.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not lazy to say to your friends, "I just need some me time right now." And for me, that's hard because I love hanging out with friends. I love doing things with people. I get like so much energy from being around, like you know, my friends because they yeah. everyone has such high energy. But it's really healthy to just you know advocate for yourself and, and be able to be by yourself. Be by yourself and, and not happy. feel like you're not being productive because yeah. that is productive yeah
1: rest is productive rest is productive i love that love that we have to go into 2023 Feel remembering that, that. yes uh, yeah. yes yeah for sure <laughs> so don't pull all-nighters no and not worth it never worth it never oh, go i worked hard in college but nothing was ever worth an all-nighter and then you're it.
0: groggy going into the next yeah. day and Sucks. counterintuitive yeah yeah
1: Awesome, this was great. Um, We definitely want to talk more about these things in future episodes, so if you liked what you heard, stay tuned. Awesome. So if people want to learn more about us in the meantime, where can they find us on social media?
0: So I recently started a TikTok and my TikTok The Younger Days Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you use. To
1: keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on TikTok at Younger Days Podcast. We hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes. Looking forward to next
0: time.